It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Yeah. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I have got no seats. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. I fire in the fire, with the of the gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But it wasn't coming in a hurry, the fury beat it down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the Hour of Doom. And Bloom. Friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a minute of morality in an immoral world. I'm Joe Halton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find 900, count them, 900 post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, an advanced registered nurse practitioner, and I'm also a certified nurse midwife. And the hostess with the mostest, most absolutely. Our mission, to put a medically prepared person, that's you, in every family for any disaster. We are the dynamic duo, the perfect pair, (laughs) the gang of two, a courageous couple just wanting to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Absolutely. Friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a germ-laden gerbil? Hmm. Very strange. Well, our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. And listen to this. Absolutely. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but when the Shinola hits the fan, I said Shinola, you'll be (laughs) well-served if you know what to do with injuries and illnesses that might occur. That is just smart. Shows that you got a few neurons in that noodle of yours. (laughs) Smarter still would be to get some supplies and a good medical kit, don't you think? Maybe even from the lovely Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated but never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. I feel like Vanna White. That's right. You're saying this and I'm sort of presenting medical kits. If only they could see through If only they could see the wonderfulness (laughs) of your products. Thank you. Well, you've got everything from... A kit for the casual hiker, biker, hunter, all the way to the full-blown survival medic for times of real, real trouble. 
And yes, that I do. is my shameless plug for the day. Oh, well, I one appreciate of, it. One of a couple, maybe. Well, it makes me maybe feel somewhere. good with all the hard work that I do. You do a lot of hard At work putting that together. At least you appreciate it. I do, We have others that appreciate, appreciate it, too. It. That's right. That's and right. And thank you, folks. Hey, what's the hubbub, bub? We learn as much from you as you do from us. That is obvious. So connect with <laughs> us. It is so easy. Here's a lovely nurse, Amy, to tell you how. Absolutely. Contact us by email at dr, that's like Dr. Dr. Bones podcast at AOL.com. Find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of Facebook pages, Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. We have a Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones Nurse Amy. And we have another podcast for current events, politics, etc. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Called American Survival Radio. You want to tell them where it's also broadcast from? Yes, also broadcast from KPJC, Relevant News Talk Radio in Salem, Oregon, and the voice of Lubbock, Texas, Radio KRFE 580 AM. Absolutely. Now, both of these shows that you're listening to are easily accessed on the right-hand side of doomandbloom.net. We have a feed, an RSS feed, for those folks who know what that means. I don't exactly know what RSS stands for, but it is a feed, and it brings you between three and five of the most recent shows. So you can always access the latest show. It'll be right up there as soon as it's put on either Blog Talk for the show we're speaking of, or American Survival Radio, you can also find on Genesis Communications Network, which would be GCNlive.com. And you'll also find our Survival Medicine Hour at Prepper Broadcasting System. Uh, oh, Prepper yeah, Broadcasting Network, it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, they replay Prepper it. Prepper Broadcasting Network, USA Emergency Broadcasting Network, uh, Survival Central, Shake and Wake Radio, and all sorts of other places and by the way, don't forget to come see us when we're spreading the good word of disaster medical preparedness across the country. We'll be at the RK Show in Huntsville, Alabama, January 7th in Nolens, Louisiana on March 4th to 5th. More information on that later on. See our free lectures on survival medicine or take our awesome wound care, suturing, and stapling class. Get a medical kit or, heck, just come by and say hi. I would love to meet you. Me too. <laughs> Not just you. Not just Um, I just want to mention quickly that we were supposed to be at um, an RK Prepper show this weekend. Unfortunately, I went to visit my daughter. And um, while I was there, I caught a really horrible virus. And we we're pretty sure it was the norovirus. Uh, That's right. I also caught it, too. Uh, and we're both, neither Sorry of us are... Sorry I gave are, it to you, honey. Neither, it's highly contagious. Yeah, not, and we're going to talk about that later in the show, and uh, stomach flus in general, but I just want And I think it's a good idea to talk about it, because it was some really nasty stuff, folks. And, and we're, sti- we're still not over it, no, I can tell it, you that much. I We're just well, barely getting say through this. this. Thank it, God we are hydrated. Exactly. I will say this, um, it, and we're going to talk about it later, but, you know, it starts at the top. And works its way to the bottom. And I think people will understand what I'm talking about. I guess so. But I want to thank Randy Curley at the RK Show in Pensacola and his his other great shows throughout the country. It's an awesome 
series of prepper shows, sometimes mixed with gun shows, and you can find a lot of great stuff there, a lot of great guests that come and speak, and uh, we really thank Randy Curley for his help over the years. You know, we often write about disastrous situations that we personally experience. We've been through, gosh, hurricanes and tornadoes and epidemics, <laughs> just to mention a few. And, and recently, our home in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, as if you've been following this podcast, uh, was threatened by the wildfires there, which killed 14 people, wiped out over, I think, 1,700 buildings, something like that, over 100 on the mountain where our house is located alone. Only by the grace of the wind blowing. That's right. In the different direction right thank goodness yes well we've written about a number of medical issues as well as you can imagine uh, that and we've experienced some of them ourselves and this norovirus is one of them Uh, also uh, another example i converted to positive for tuberculosis during my work with cuban refugees during the 1980 mario boat lift and i still carry a small walled off nodule on x-ray even after months of multi-drug therapy way back then well you're really lucky that's all that happened and so anyhow been much worse so on a on a recent trip that, that we just came back from actually or or staggered back from i guess is a better way to put it uh <laughs> yeah. it's to new york city of all places to visit your daughter who is struck by the metropolitan bug she's living in brooklyn but brooklyn. you know it, she's 23 what are you gonna do it's an the other one's in chicago yeah it's all an hope, adventure no. all i can say is i hope that you know when they do eventually get married and have children they'll move to some place a little calmer a little more you know, suburban. Maybe and with, a place you'd like to raise a kid. With a front yard a so the kids can play yes. outside in a That's backyard. Right. With maybe a tree they can climb. I don't yeah. want these kids stuck inside. Don't so. fall off the tree, uh, You know what? Let them have their, their little city experiences and, and so then anyhow, they'll settle down later. So we both experienced this oh. intestinal flu or stomach flu. Uh, uh, the official name is acute gastroenteritis. And it surprised me that we really haven't written about it much. You know, you can find a lot about it in our Survival Medicine Handbook, but not really. We haven't really talked about it much on the program. I guess we really haven't you know, written articles. No, but you know so what else? About it. We we usually respond to a lot of things that folks write us, and that's why we tell you write us at our email drbonespodcast at aol dot com. You wouldn't believe how many topics we get because people write to us. Things that ended up in the book, things that are on the website, are really generated from you folks who are listening to us. So if you have some experience and you think, my goodness, what would I have done in a survival situation about this thing, uh, let us know. Sometimes there are things that can be done. Occasionally there's not, unfortunately, but... You know, better to address it and and speak about it than just ignore it. So, yes, this is in our book. We just haven't talked about it so much. What we have talked about are colds and flus. We did a whole series on pneumonia. The last few weeks we've been talking. You know what? And if you think about it, we're working our way down. And we've covered the, the... Sinuses right. and the throat and right. the lungs. And now we're below now the we're, diaphragm. Now we're moving into the stomach. It's, yes. it's actually um, very logical. Following, yes. it's following a very logical Follow, track. Yes. Unfortunately, um, we're getting sick along with these <laughs> topics. 
<laughs> so we can speak from experience, which is oh. actually pretty good. Well, and, and from experience, I can tell you, when this infection hits you, oh. it makes even the healthiest individual miserable. It's a, it's a, t- it's a double punch. Now, you required uh, an urgent care visit, and that is no that sm- was was not fun. no small issue in well, a we had, strange and very just, populated city. Let me city. just tell folks. First of all, you had to find a clinic, which is not easy. Then you had to make an appointment. And then you had to throw me, who absolutely didn't want to leave the bed, in a taxi cab. And, folks, New York City right now is like standstill traffic. Right. <clears throat> so to get, the clinic was only a couple miles away, right? Right. Maybe two miles. 30 minutes I'm sitting in a taxi cab Because we, we had to pass near Trump Tower. Oh, my gosh. Where there were all these big bigwigs of all these <sighs> various Silicon Valley corporations. Visiting, so it was a huge. So your sick mess. wife in the back seat, who <laughs> was having a conniption because every time the taxi moved, I had more pain. Every time the taxi took off or stopped or went over a pothole or some crack in the road, it caused severe pain. So I was biting my lip and not happy. <laughs> that was miserable. Well, we figured out you had something called norovirus. Yeah. And norovirus uh, actually is the most common cause for viral gastroenteritis in humans. You're just one of two million outpatient visits caused by this virus in the U.S. alone every year. I mean, it's it was originally called Norwalk virus. I think after Norwalk, Connecticut, mm-hmm. uh, it was, I think they found it first in the 1960s, maybe in the 1950s. Uh, since then, it's been blamed for 50% of all gastroenteritis, stomach flus, in the U.S. worldwide. There are more than 200 million cases of norovirus infection in the world a year. And it affects people of all ages, but it's particularly dangerous, like a lot of other uh, illnesses right. in elderly people and the very young and those are people that have very weak immune systems. And interestingly enough, on Respiratory symptoms, uh, respiratory infections actually occur mostly in the fall and in the spring. And you might think in the winter, no. But this norovirus, the stomach flu, occurs mostly in the winter. And I thought that was interesting. It's very contagious. Just 5 to 20 viral particles is all it takes to cause you to get sick. It's easily transmitted through contaminated food, water, um, Close personal contact. contact, feces. Well, uh, we only had one bed in the room, so I'm sorry, honey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not, you were you weren't getting very far away from me in a hotel room with no, one bed. I didn't I didn't have much of a shot. There, <laughs> we don't sleep I? in twin beds like people from the 40s. <laughs> and also by air droplets, not from coughing or sneezing, but from vomiting, which can be very severe in this uh, illness. Uh, contaminated food counters will do it too. Even flushing toilets, the droplets from that can actually cause you to get infected with it. Uh, And the funny thing is even after, even before you have symptoms and even after you recover, you're still contagious for a period of time. So it is a mess. Here's actually how, this is how contagious the norovirus, by the way, for those interested, it's N-O-R-O virus. One word, one word. In one outbreak in 1998, there were 126 people dining at a restaurant when one per- person vomited onto the floor. Now, they, as you can imagine, the restaurant folk cleaned that up immediately. But 
52 people fell ill within three days. Wow. And more than 90% of the people that dined later on at the same table wound up reporting symptoms. More than 70% of the diners at the table next to them got sick. And even at tables at the other side of the restaurant, the rate was still about 25%. Wow. Well, let me ask you a question. Isn't this、um, the virus that's been responsible for a lot of problems on these cruise ships? Yes. And, these poor and a lot cruise ships. Other... I'm, I'm like never going on a Caribbean cruise ship because I swear every other one that goes out comes back with like hundreds of people who are sick. I know. It, it's that. And because it's a closed community, essentially, I mean, you ain't getting off the ship and you have limited. Opportunities to be outside. And、I、your、guess. food comes from the same kitchen. Right. So if there's somebody in the kitchen who's sick. And it only takes one infected person to get a bunch of other people sick. That's But this、amazing. is the one that's been causing those cruise problems, yes, exactly. right? Exactly. And it's hardy. It is a tough virus as viruses go that can survive for long periods of time outside a human host, can live for weeks on countertops, apparently. A lot of viruses only live for hours. And it can live up to 12 days on clothes. It can survive for months in still water. So, if they're standing pools of still water that have norovirus, it can hang out there for a good old long time. The good news is that disinfectants that include chlorine in it, like bleach, will quickly eliminate it and also sufficient heat, hot. Yeah, but you, don't, you, just, you can use a water down, what is it, a 1 to 10? Bleach. Yes, I'm going to give you the formula.、Oh, okay. I'm actually going to give you the formula.、Oh, okay. Absolutely. No problem. Now, the symptoms of the stomach flu that's nausea and vomiting. You want me to go over it? A、them? watery <laughs> diarrhea. It's sometimes severe abdominal pain, like you have. Very severe. That's right. Oh, my God. I thought I was dying. I really thought I was dying. And that usually occurs within about 12 to 48 hours of exposure. Now, mix along with this muscle aches,、yep. headache, fever. Yep. Check, check. You know, all of those things. You are somebody that is sick, sick, sick. And luck, the good thing is that life threatening illness caused by this is pretty darn rare. Dehydration is, I guess, essentially the main danger for those people that are infected with the virus. Now, unlike some viruses, a bad, one bad thing is that you really don't get a heck of a lot of immunity to norovirus by actually having it. And over the course of a year, you could. Get it more easily, get it more than once. You might get a few months of immunity. You might not. It just depends、oh, on whether、stuff. you get a slightly different strain of it. Are you going to talk about where we think I got it?、Uh, well, outbreaks of norovirus infection. We talked about closed spaces.、Uh, of course, in cold weather like there is in New York City,、uh, we were most of the time in. In closed spaes.、So、we went to a Broadway museums, show, Broadway went to museums. Large crowds. Things like that with tons of people there. The only so, time there weren't a lot of people around us was like midnight. Right. <laughs> Other right. than that, the streets were crowded,、right. the shows were crowded, the museums were crowded. Now, believe me, there were plenty of people out at midnight too.、Uh, other places that, besides cruise ships、uh, and hotel rooms, that you can get it is nursing homes, schools, camps, prisons. Now, shellfish such as oyster, oysters and salad ingredients are foods that are most often implicated in norovirus outbreaks. But in our case, it might have been a kiosk advertising the world's best, best hot, hot dogs. dogs. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, world's best hot dogs, right in Times Square. Right in Times Square. I well, took a picture of it. Well, you know, as you can imagine, 
Most viruses don't have a cure. Neither does norovirus nope. infection. Uh, antibiotics aren't effective because antibiotics are meant to kill bacteria, not viruses. I just want to mention one thing. Um, we did have some Tamiflu with us. Yes. But Tamiflu is not effective no. for, on the norovirus. No, it's effective for influenza A and some B Right. Influenza B viruses. Specific types specifically of viruses. Specifically in a influenza virus treatment. Right. So, and, and neither although, are treatments for other viruses like uh, herpes, cold sore right, treatments, right. And stuff like but that. But I just want to mention that for folks because we just talked about, you know, antibiotics obviously don't kill viruses. But, you know, someone out there might have had the question pop in their head well, what about Tamiflu or these antivirals? And no. Not going to help. And so. what a good question, you guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read the minds of our listeners. You, you are incredible. And I, I get that, and then I ask you the question. That's right. <laughs> so, therefore, the main treatment is what? Just keeping the person well hydrated. Now you can Which tell is not s- easy if they're vomiting that, a lot. That's right. Dehydration uh, is something that you could probably tell if somebody has dehydration. They usually feel dry, have a dry mouth, uh, their amount of urina- urination is less, the color of the urine becomes very dark, uh, they become dizzy when they're standing up, interestingly enough, yep. when you're laying down, normally when you're laying down, your blood pressure is oftentimes lower than when you're standing up. Well, when you're dehydrated, when you stand up, your pressure actually is lower, it drops, drops. and if it drops enough, you can faint or you can become very dizzy. Uh, another thing that you'll see in dehydrated people is that their skin loses some of its elasticity. I mean, if you pull on the skin of your of your forearm right now while you're listening to the show, you'll see that it snaps back into place. Now, if you're or dehydrated, especially the back of the hand, or the that's back, also a good place to or check. the back of the hand yeah. uh, is is good. Um, however, if you are dehydrated, it'll sort of stay tented up when you pull on it. Now, infants. You uh, hard to, sometimes it's harder to tell, but they may not urinate as much. They they may not have tears, even though they're crying. Uh, they may have be unusually fussy or irritable. These are a, a signs that you can tell that an infant is dehydrated. Now you might consider ta- uh, having on your trip if you're going on a trip or. For your medical storage, for survival purposes, having some anti-diarrheal meds like loperamide, that's uh, Imodium is, is the brand name for that, anti-vomiting drugs like uh, drugs like uh, Ondansetron, uh, that's Zofran. Zofran is actually a medicine that's a prescription drug, but it is something that you would probably pretty easily be able to get a prescription for that. You know what also helps somewhat? is the Pepto-Bismol tablets that you got us. Oh, yeah. Got, got me first, but then us. Um, they didn't taste terrible. I had an experience with Pepto-Bismol as a child. I was very sick, and my parents forced me to drink this. And it came up in a nice uh, exorcist-type um, projectile vomiting of this lovely pink goop all over them. So they <laughs> never gave me... Pepto-Bismol again, and I've had an adversity to it ever since, but the the actual chewable tablets were not bad, and they, they helped. That's right. They, they, they did help the symptoms. Pepto-Bismol they is bismuth. They don't cure you, but yes. yeah. It's bismuth salicylate. You can find it 
as Pepto-Bismol, you can find it anywhere, in the generic really. versions just about anywhere. Yeah. And a good idea to have some of that, not the liquid kind, but the uh, tablet kind uh, in your medical storage as well. Longer expiration date. Ah, yes, exactly. Now, a cure might not be available for the stomach flu, but preventing the stomach flu, now that's another issue. You can do something about that. And so to decrease the chance of norovirus infection, wash your hands frequently with soap and water. Uh, norovirus, by the way, is relatively resistant to alcohol, so uh, hand sanitizers don't necessarily take the place of soap and water in these circumstances. And you got to do it frequently, especially after using the restroom, changing a diaper, handling food. That absolutely have to wash your hands. Be sure to do this for guess how long, two weeks after becoming infected. Believe it or not, you can be, even though the disease itself or the in illness itself may last only three days maybe or four days, you can be contagious for as long as two weeks after. Absolutely. Now, I, I just want to mention uh, washing your hands. You should wash your hands before you eat and after you eat and before you handle food, and after, after you, you handle, handle food. food. So that's really important. Yes, very good advice. Uh, wash your food before cooking it, and if you're going to be eating shellfish, <laughs> consider cooking the shellfish very thoroughly before you eat it. Um, you want to frequently disinfect contaminated surfaces with a bleach solution. And the EPA actually recommends 5 to 25 drops of bleach Per gallon oh, of water, diluted. and, and okay. so it doesn't take really doesn't take much, right? It really can't stand chlorine, so it doesn't take very much oh, to be to able know. to uh, kill the norovirus bug. Now, keep sick individuals away from food preparation areas yeah. and from food preparers as well, if at all possible, and avoid close contact with others when you're sick. In other words, don't share utensils with them. Don't share towels or other items with them or clothes with them. These are things that will get them sick because you are very, very contagious. Mm -hmm. If you have to handle soiled items, wear disposable gloves. Uh, we recommend nitrile gloves because there's an epidemic of latex allergies in the country. So nitrile, N-I-T-R-I-L-E, those are the kind of gloves I want you to use. Immediately remove and wash clothes that might be contaminated. If somebody vomited on you or you vomited on your clothes or might be contaminated with feces like a child's uh, onesie or... Right, it overflows or, right, or, or kids' clothes. And diapers, exactly. of course. Uh, and mach machine dry them afterwards. Get get them under some heat. Right. That is... To help destroy it. Absolutely important. And if you can, if those clothes are cotton, throw a little bit of bleach into the wash. Yes. You know, I mean, obviously be careful not to ruin your clothes, but there's a way, there's always a bleach dispenser in these washing machines. And it, what it does is it helps to sort of... Spread it around. Yeah, right? so it doesn't cause specific drops of right. white or holes. Bleach right. can even cause holes oh, yeah. in here. That's caustic stuff, You man. know, I, I just want to mention one more thing. I, I think you... Go ahead. You've got one more thing to say. Nothing is just that, you know, if you pay careful attention to hand hygiene, food hygiene, right. that'll go a long way to preventing the stomach flu. Okay, I'm going to take a step back here because I want to talk a little bit more about the symptoms. And I want to mention just some of the things that uh, we did to try and stay hydrated. First of all, um, when I first got sick, you went to the market, you got me apple juice. Yes. Uh, ginger ale. Yep. You, got, you found some ginger candies. 
yes, which were so so helpful. Um, chamomile tea. I wanted ginger tea, but they only had chamomile tea, so I drank a lot um, of ginger tea. And thankfully, the hotel room had a coffee maker, so we could make hot water, and I used that hot water to make the tea. So ginger and chamomile, and then even when we went to the airport on the way home, uh, when we stopped for something um, to drink, I got uh -huh. I drank chamomile tea. Remember? Yes. So chamomile tea was very calming. Uh, the ginger candies were good. If I'd have got could have had ginger tea, uh, I would have drank that. It wasn't offered. Uh, ginger ale is also something really good. So, you know, it might not be a bad idea to throw a handful of ginger tea bags and some ginger candies and some of those Pepto-Bismol chewables and the Imodium in your medication bag. Absolutely, yes. We're really good about bringing all kinds of right. medicines. And definitely... Um, Excellent items to have in your medical storage for, for sure. survival purposes because believe me, the water is going to be questionable, the food's going to be questionable, and you are definitely going to wind up having to deal with someone with some kind of intestinal ailment. Oh, but you know what else I've, is a good thing you could find too is they have ginger, um, candied ginger is what I'm looking for. Candied Can ginger. Remember, we got that at Whole Foods. That's right. Or no, Fresh Market. Fresh Market had that. So that's another thing that helps. So uh, anything ginger, chamomile, is very calming to the stomach. So I just want to throw out some natural stuff in case you don't have medicine. Well said, young lady. <laughs> now, have you ever had the man flu? No, ladies, I'm not talking about how you might be sick of certain men <laughs> in your life. I'm talking to the men out there who well, seem to get sicker than their better half when well, the flu comes around. Okay, so what you're saying is all the women that I've ever talked to have always said that men are such babies yes. when they get sick. And so what you're saying is it's not that they're babies, it's that Men you really actually do. get sicker yes. than we get. Okay, I'm, I'm going to let you go with that, well, let's, but you got to prove it. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> indeed, men indeed seem to get sicker or at least feel sicker as a result of getting certain viruses. And now... Researchers at the Royal Holloway University of London suggest that certain viral infectious diseases indeed have evolved to be more severe in men and women. That's wild. That's right. Some viruses may have developed to be less injurious to women, not because they've developed a gene that makes them more gentlemanly in any particular way, but for a very insidious reason, to increase their chances to be able to be passed on to children during the mother's pregnancy during the birth, or during breastfeeding. And so it can hurt more people. That's right. The viruses can, may have figured out some somehow that by sparing, relatively speaking, the female population, they have a better chance to survive long-term throughout generations. Okay. I, I, I get that. But how in the world does a virus figure out whether it's in a man or a woman? I, I, I just, it boggles the mind. It can't smell it can't taste. It, it can't do a scientific study. It can't do a blood test. So what the heck is this virus doing to be able to have the knowledge? 
Well, it's very, very possible. Whether it's a, inside is, of a woman or a man. This is speculation, it's but it's very possible a virus might be able to tell if its host is a man or woman by what differences there are between men and women. Hormones. Okay, but, but now you're talking about it's sensing hormones. hormones. A virus sensing the levels of, let's just say, testosterone and saying, oh, okay, well, I, in this host, I see that there's a higher level of testosterone. But in this other host, there's a lower level of testosterone. How in the world is a virus figuring this out to even look at this? One day are they we'll doing, find out, but are they we doing have little, no idea You know right what? Now. Are there little viruses in some little viral chemical lab, and there's little viral scientists with little viral glasses, and they've got little viral test tubes, and they're checking and testing, <laughs> and they've got little tiny viral mice that they do <laughs> testing on, and they say, oh, we figured out. This is how we find out. And then they... they uh, publish little viral studies and they spread them around to everybody. I mean, it just boggles the mind. The now, there has been <laughs> evidence that men become sicker as a result of being infected with viruses than women. Uh, as, for example, all, as far as I know, all of the people that have died from Zika virus, which mm-hmm. are very few, right, have all been men, number one. According to... All right, well, honey, my advice to you is don't get Zika. Okay, I will. <laughs> I will not. Okay, good. Now... According to uh, a website called NewScientist.com, mm-hmm. men are more likely, significantly more likely, to die from chickenpox and tuberculosis than women are. And I got chickenpox at a. I told you about that. I got you tuberculosis earlier, but I got chickenpox at a relatively late age, is, at age sixteen. Yeah, that's. And I wound up in the terrible. hospital. Man, I was sick. I had that stuff all over oh, me. It was that's a mess. Horrifying. Still have some scars from it. Now, other viruses are known to affect men more severely than women. The human papilloma virus, which uh, girls now are being offered these vaccines. Oh, no, they're also offering them to boys, too. And to boys. Yes. And that's good because— They wised up. Get Get them both vaccinated. Because males are five times apparently more likely to have cancer caused by that than women. And I'm going to say one thing about this vaccine. You folks out there, I know there are people that are totally anti-vaccination. I get it. I understand. This is not something you need to be anti-vaccine about. This HPV causes cancer, and it is actually a vaccination that can prevent your child from dying of cancer. It is the most phenomenal thing as far as vaccinations in, in our recent history that has been discovered, we can prevent cancer. It is a miracle. Your children, when it's appropriate in the age, and I believe it's like 12 to 15, need to be vaccinated before they become sexually active. Hopefully they're not becoming sexually active for many years after that. But before they even possibly get exposed, they need to have these vaccinations Boys and girls, we can actually nearly eliminate cancer in in this area of the women. We're not going to get into the details, but, you know, it's a big thing, folks. Women don't need to suffer from cervical cancer. It's just a horrible thing. Other viruses, there's one called the Epstein-Barr virus, and that a man gets it, he's twice as likely to develop a cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma right. than women. And there's even a Japanese study that shows that 
uh, human T-cell lymphotropic virus, type 1, boy, that's a mouthful, huh, uh, progresses to leukemia much more commonly in males than females. Now, I will say that some of this science is not absolutely proven. I, uh, the same study, when it was done outside of Japan and then in the Caribbean islands, didn't really pan out to be quite that way. And the reason might be because of cultural differences. Women breastfeed their babies more often and apparently for longer periods of time right. in Japan, giving the virus more of an opportunity to be passed on to the next generation. Now, some people believe that women have stronger immune systems than men, than men do. But the truth is that viral mutations are much more likely to be a factor. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about viral mutations with Zika. Uh, we've talked about mutations with Ebola. Ebola, we've, right. Uh, pretty much a lot of these epidemic diseases caused by viruses are because they, a virus has changed somewhat to cause problems. I mean, you didn't hear much about Zika virus, certainly, in uh, when it was first discovered, it was just some rare little virus that didn't seem to do much, and it only now, in the last year or so, started to really cause problems. So, indeed, mutations occur in viruses, and they can really be a big problem. Oh yeah. So the bottom line is, this is a, a, an opportunity for researchers to maybe figure out a way to manipulate a virus. But maybe if they can fig figure out what makes a virus identify a male from a female, maybe they can trick the virus into thinking it's in a female body rather than in a male body. Now, how they're going to accomplish this goal? Well, that's for the future <laughs> to find out. The scientific future. <laughs> that's right. Hey, have you ever felt the joy and satisfaction you get from helping the elderly. <laughs> well, I'm elderly. How about helping me and your family by getting a copy of our brand new third edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. When you get our book, you get 700 pages, wow, of over 150 topics that you might have to confront in a disaster, epidemic, zombie apocalypse, just about any situation, good times or bad times even. You will want to have this book in your survival library. You'll find it on Amazon.com or you'll find it on our website at doomandbloom.net. Make sure you get a copy of it. You're going to be glad you did. And by the way, this is the third edition. The second edition is still on the market on Amazon. Even the first edition I see probably is collector's items. And just remember that the third edition is what you're looking for. Give those old copies to someone you love. Get the latest, the greatest, <laughs> I think it is at least. Aw, <laughs> oh, it is, honey. You know who can use a, a few copies of our book? Who? Everyone on The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. And Z Nation. Z Nation. There's several apocalyptic type shows on. Absolutely. There's everyone more... in Game of Thrones could definitely use it. They God really knows could. everyone's getting sick or injured or... Mostly get their heads cut off <laughs> and, or get a spear in them or something in that one. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of injuries. <laughs> they could have used that book. <laughs> oh, also wanted to mention that we have a wonderful board game called Doom and Bloom Survival. Christmas is coming for the next couple of days after the show up till December 18th, midnight. You can use... The code, coupon code, what is it? Holiday 10. Holiday 10 un, for, until midnight, December 18th. 
and we will guarantee delivery of not only our Doom and Bloom survival board game, an awesome board game that won the uh, Teaching Preparedness Resource Award of the Week from the Prepared Family blog, but you also can get anything in the store off, 10% off, and sent to you by Christmas if you order by Midnight December Sunday 8th. night. Sunday night. It's December this Sunday 18th. night, 2016, folks. If you order in the morning on Monday, I cannot guarantee delivery. I have got to get these things to the post office. It can only be sent priority. FedEx, unless you're shipping, you know, Express and all of these super super expensive shipping methods. <clears throat> That's the only way you're going to get it through there. But the postal service will do priority. You will have your Christmas presents before Christmas. Yay! Yay! That's always a good thing. Hate to put a deadline there, but there is a deadline. It's not my fault. <laughs> so anyhow, so we've talked about Ebola, we've talked about Zika and all sorts of other epidemic norovirus outbreaks and Oof. stuff like that. But your chances not of getting fun. your chances of getting norovirus are actually pretty good. But some of these other ones are pretty small. I oh, can't believe we haven't had it yet. I, they, I mean, until now. The, the norovirus. I know, With yeah. With all the traveling well, we we've may, done. we may have. I mean, I've, I've had diarrhea in yeah, my but life. Yeah, we always just rack it up to maybe something we ate. Well, you never had intestinal spasms like you had. Only once when I was 21 years old. Uh-huh. Or 22. I thought it was, it was even worse then. I really thought I was going to die. I actually thought I was going to die and I had a six-month-old. And I thought I was going to die. Like, I told people who I was leaving my child with, okay, make sure that she's well taken care of. Help out my husband, please, because I, I'm, I'm not coming back. That, that's how close I was. But you did come back. I Thank did. goodness for I that. needed a lot of IV fluids, though. I'll tell you what. I, let, I got very dehydrated very fast. That was nasty. Now, one virus that you are likely to get is the common cold. We talked about it a few weeks ago. It's the most common illness on the planet. 75 to 100 million Americans are going to present to a medical professional for treatment this year in the United States alone. A small percentage of these people go on to have worse things like pneumonia, which we spoke about a little bit last week. And the week before, it can lead to life-threatening situations. Now, the common cold is caused by a rhinovirus or a coronavirus or one of those viruses. A number of others have been implicated. And it's a rare individual that hasn't had to deal with it. Now, people have their own strategies to prevent colds. But some of these methods are ineffective. They have little basis in fact. And so I want to talk about some time-honored but false ways <laughs> so, that you can prevent that you can can't prevent a cold. So you, you know what you're doing? You're myth busting. That's right. You're, this, this is a myth busting. Right. So let's talk a little bit about some of those myths. One is that prevention of colds is only an issue in the winter and you can because you can only catch colds in the winter. But the truth of the matter is colds occur most often in the spring. And in the fall, the early spring and the late fall, many viruses actually become dormant in cold weather. Norovirus doesn't, but, <laughs> yeah. and influenza virus doesn't, but the viruses that cause a common cold, common cold, indeed, are not as active in truly cold weather than in the spring and the fall. Now, 
dress warmly and you won't get sick. That's another myth. If you dress warmly in cold weather, it's an it actually is a very smart move because but it's a smart move to prevent from freezing to death, hypothermia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it doesn't prevent colds. A cold is an infectious disease. It's caused by a virus regardless of what you happen to be wearing. Unless you it's can a, be infected. Unless it's some amazing face mask. Right. If you wear <laughs> if, if you wear the Apollo astronauts helmet, <laughs> then it's very likely that you that will be the kind of dressing warm or live in a bubble or live in a filtered air that would do it too <laughs> now one thing is people believe that being outside in the cold is going to give them a cold it's staying inside during the winter is going to help them avoid catching a cold but the truth is staying inside actually increases your chances of becoming infected mm-hmm. enclosed spaces can expose you to a higher concentration of the virus so in little bitty spaces a certain amount of viruses in the great outdoors, the same amount of viruses are much more diluted out and less likely sense. to go up your nose. It's logical. That's right. We mentioned this one before. Take antibiotics to prevent colds. I can't tell you the number of times that I was demanded a prescription of antibiotics from from me so that I can treat people that obviously had a cold. And I had to disappoint them and they thought I was a terrible doctor for not getting a prescription. No, I can't. There's there's nothing that's going to cure what you have, sweetheart. I'm sorry. Antibiotics kill bacteria. Exactly. Colds are caused by viruses. Different bug altogether. So antibiotics are uh, ineffective against them as a preventative or Or a a cure. cure. Right. So that's the deal. You have to remember that this is a big problem. One in three Americans leave their doctor's offices with a prescription for antibiotics to treat an illness that's completely unaffected exactly. by these drugs. If you're sneezing and you have a runny nose and you may maybe have a scratchy throat, you know, and you're you're just drooling out sinus congestion, that's a cold. This is not going to help you. (laughs) Now, a lot of people think that, another myth is a lot of people think a weakened immune system will cause a cold. That's actually, well, having, I'll admit, having a strong immune system is a good thing, but even the healthiest person can catch a cold. If they're exposed to the virus, most most people who catch a cold were perfectly healthy until the virus got a hold of them. them, It is an infectious disease. It takes healthy people and it makes them sick. So. The, the immune system, although I, you should do everything you can to have a strong immune system, Absolutely. won't prevent a cold. It may other, help you fight it once you right. get it. Which which is a great point, and I'm glad you said that. You may get sick, but building your immunity with all kinds of antioxidants, eating healthy, fruits and vegetables, things that build your immunity system are going to help you fight it, help your soldiers get in there, and help kill those viruses that are just multiplying all over the place. Also, speaking of immune system, vitamin C and antioxidant, zinc also is, uh, these are available in supplements, and people take them theoretically to prevent a cold. They don't prevent a cold. Now, scientific study shows that they may decrease the duration of a cold, or they may decrease the severity of a cold, but they don't do anything to actually prevent your catching a cold. Right. And that's that goes along with what I just said. It helps build your soldiers so you can fight better and shorten your illness and maybe not get quite as sick. That's right. 
Now, keeping your head dry. Now, how many times has your mother said, keep your head dry? Don't go outside with your hair wet. Yes. They think a wet head is going to cause a cold. It doesn't. I mean, it'll give you a chill, maybe. You'll be cold uh, if you have a head uh, full of wet hair. But it is not going to prevent you having a cold just because your head is dry. (laughs) You're not going to be any less likely to catch the virus. Now, turning down the heat in the house, this is a, an interesting theory that will pr- turning down the heat in the house will prevent a cold. So, in other words, make it chilly in your house. Right. Many feel that central heating causes the nose to dry up and, as a result, uh, weakens the lining of the... Of the the uh, cilia that of moves. The nose right, exactly. And allows bugs to get in. And so... The truth of the matter is, though, that a virus can colonize the mucous membranes regardless of the level of humidity or the temperature. Uh, it, it can get through healthy nose lining, and it can get through nose lining dried, that's, uh, that's dried, dried out. So that's it. Uh, avoid kissing to prevent colds. Now, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, here's one that's that's got a little something to it. Uh, believe it or not, you have less quantities of virus on your lips and in your mouth than you have in your nasal ca- cavity. So unless you're an Eskimo and kiss by rubbing <laughs> noses together, uh, you know what? You probably it may have a shred of truth in it, but the the truth is, I guess, is that there are not that many people that kiss each other without breathing. And so when you kiss each other, you're going to breathe on each other. <laughs> and so what happens is is that you do get those viruses pass up. So that indeed is really a myth. You know what else I've heard is um, putting garlic uh, on your feet and then putting socks on. Yes, I've heard that too. <laughs> uh, I've heard you wearing garlic uh, around your neck or having you're gonna other herbs. Keep but, everybody else away, which maybe if they're sick, you want to keep them away. Well, I mean, it'll keep. <laughs> we it'll should keep, make a gar- yeah. You know what we should do is make a garlic perfume yeah. when you have to go to a crowded area. Everyone will stay ten feet away from you. <laughs> That's how you can prevent getting sick. Not a terrible idea. Not because of the garlic, necessarily, but because you stink. Right. Right. (laughs) Wearing garlic might repel vampires and and everyone else. Everyone else. Maybe it has something to do with that. (laughs) But but let's do say that, yes, eating raw garlic, crushed garlic, in some raw honey, awesome idea, definitely helps build your immunity fight the virus, and help you get better faster. That's right. So eat it. Don't wear it. Its health benefits mostly derive from being ingested raw. Right. Now, there are some myths, but here is a fact. Hand washing, which you talked about before, that is an effective way to prevent a cold, to decrease your chances of catching one. Viruses are transmitted less often if your hands are washed regularly and frequently throughout the day. And this is especially true if you want to prevent colds in children. You have to... As part of their growing up, just like you're teaching them toilet training, you have yep. to teach them frequent hand washing. Make it just a part of their daily lives so they're used to doing it, part of their routine, and that's important. And don't forget to use uh, disinfectants on uh, common area doorknobs, kitchen counters, work surfaces. Viruses can live for a period of time on these areas. Now, natural remedies make uh, uh, colds a little less debilitating. So that's something that's important. Uh, one of my favorites is green tea with some lemon and honey. Mm-hmm. Um, drinking the tea and breathing in the steam from it helps the hair follicles in the nose to drain the germs out. Interestingly enough, lemon may thin out mucus. Honey is a great 
natural anti-antimicrobial anti yep. agent. Works against bacteria and viruses and all sorts of stuff. So it, it's great stuff. Also, don't underestimate the power of chicken soup. A little chicken, chicken soup. Chicken soup. That's right. I've actually done scientific studies that have shown that chicken soup reduces the symptoms and the duration of colds. Right. And the steam from it is probably the reason why. Now, ah, I don't believe that. What do you believe then? I believe that eating chicken soup helps build your immunity so you find it faster. So in other words, There's chicken something soup. something in chicken soup. I, so home, chicken soup yes, is, chicken soup. is definitely... It's a, almost like an uh, antioxidant type of thing. So... Chicken soup is good for your health, not good for the chicken's health, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's good for your health. Uh, and one last thing, starve a fever, feed a cold. I'm sure that everyone has heard of starving a fever and feeding a cold. Let me tell you straight up, it is never right to starve yourself when you are sick. No. Eat a healthy never. diet, just like you should always eat a healthy diet with lots of antioxidants. You'll have a better chance to fight that cold once you do get it. And to stay healthy, that is something very important. And that's also where the chicken soup comes in handy. Oh, yeah. Because it keeps you hydrated. It gives you some protein. There's some veggies in it. So you just can't go wrong with some homemade or even canned chicken soup. I, I believe there was a study that, you know, tested out homemade chicken soup and the canned chicken soup. And they equally helped reduce the symptoms so uh, some other things that you might want to try to keep someone hydrated um jello is a wonderful thing usually yes. tolerated um for 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 people from ages i don't know when you start eating jello a year old yeah. <laughs> ages one to hundred what if, uh, uh, there you go if you're 101 though not good for you <laughs> probably well we talked about uh apple juice we talked about hot tea you can also drink a cold tea um, I did buy some herbal tea from uh, the grocery store with a, a few different types. I actually called it a healthy tonic of, oh. of teas. Avoid anything with high fructose corn syrup, though. Uh, that's just poison. So I know Arizona makes a, a tea. And, and sorry, read the ingredients. I'm not buying Arizona herbal tea. If you have put high fructose corn syrup in it, you might as well just call it poison tea. It's not going in my body. <laughs> so let's see what else are good things but to you drink. Don't, you don't feel strongly about but it. Don't don't give people very acidic things. Like don't use don't give them tomato soup. It's very acidic. Go for the chicken soup, uh, a chicken dumpling soup, anything with noodles, even just a chicken broth with some rice is very good. Or even just some rice. Well, that was all good advice. I ha I hate to say it, but our time for this week Aww. is up. You have been listening to the Survival Medicine Hour with Joe Alton, MD, Dr. Bones, and Amy Alton, the lovely, the beautiful nurse Amy. We hope that you will check in next week. And have a very Merry Christmas, everybody. That's right. Yay! Merry Christmas. Bye-bye.